Amen. How we doing, Harlem? You know, I, I know the weather's out. It's gloomy outside, but it doesn't have to affect how we feel inside, right? Uh, I do want to mention also, we do have a sister, uh, most of you know, Jackie Mencia, visiting with us from the church in Kansas City. How you doing, sis? And my wife also wanted to meet, uh, to make sure that you knew that there will be child care for midweek service. There'll be, there will be teaching on Wednesday uh, for the uh, women's service. And also, just to, because uh, I heard some gasp when he mentioned the location about the Latin service, uh, there was a mix-up on the campuses, and yes, I am throwing them under the bus. Um, so what they're trying to do is get us into a bigger venue on campus. So we just want to make sure we solidify that before we say what it is. So you'll know throughout the week, we'll know for sure, but it will be here, and we are not going to cancel. It will happen. We'll have our service, and we're going to worship God. And I believe the, the, the Latins believe that the Spanish language is God's first language. I don't know. I guess we'll, t we'll, we'll know for sure uh, on Sunday. I plan to be there. I don't want any translation. I want to hear every word, and I'm going to try to figure it out. So, But we will be here. We'll definitely be here. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Is this thing behind me? Second Corinthians chapter 9. All right. As soon as the technical guys get the screen up, there we go. Invested. That's the title of our message today. As you know, uh, you see the little subtitle uh, above it, Be Rich. How many of us want to be rich? What if I told you you are already rich? And now you just need to invest your riches. It went quiet right there. They said, bro. I put all my riches in that white envelope you was talking about earlier. So I'm not feeling rich right now. But by the, by the time we get through this message, you'll see exactly what I mean. We are rich. And because we're rich, we need to invest our riches. It's the only wise thing to do when you got a little something that you need to put away. But let me just start off by saying that God has entrusted us with very precious resources, with the hope that out, out of our love for him, we would invest in his mission, in his dream, and in his plan. A lot of us have gotten to see some of our dreams realized. And guess what? God, too, has dreams that he wants to see realized, and he wants us to be a part of that dream, to be a part of making that happen. God has given us resources like time, money, and talents. Those are just some of the few uh, obvious ones. For example, time. God gives us all the same amount of time in a day, 24 hours. It's the one resource that we all start off on equal plane. Now, some of us, because, you know, you may feel, well, I don't have a lot of time. We all have 24 hours in a day. We just choose to invest our time differently. Some people choose to invest their time in this. Some people choose to invest their time in that. But we all have time. Talent. You may think that you're a very talented person. You may find that you don't really know what your talent is. Another thing that God has given every single one of us, gifts. We all have a gift. Some of you realize your gifts early. Some of you may not and have yet to realize your gifts, but we all have gifts. You have some people who have multiple gifts. They can do a lot of different things and do it well. You have some people who can do one thing, and they can only do that one thing well. But if that's your gift, that's your gift. And God has given it to you, with the hopes that you will invest in him. Now, you may not be able to sing like Henry or dance like Eduardo or multitask like Connie, but you have a gift. Money. Money is another resource where we see fluctuations and differences. Some of us have more. Some of us have less. But we all have money. 
all do. Now, if you take money, you know, the amount is really not what matters to God. It's how it affects our heart that matters to God. How your time affects your heart when you're asked to invest it. That concerns God. Your talents, your gifts, when you're asked to invest it in God's dream, that matters to God. Whether you're a five-talent person or a one-talent person doesn't matter. It's how you use those gifts that matters to God. Your money matters to God how it affects your heart. You think rich people are the only one with money problems? You think rich people are the only one that struggle with greed? I've seen some very broke people struggle with greed too. So it's not, it's not a rich or, or poor problem. For the most part, it's a heart problem. How does my wealth or my poverty affect my heart? That's what concerns God. And that's what should concern us. You know, you take money, let me just ask you, how do you feel when you have a lot of it? To some of us, that makes us feel really good, right? I mean, it, it does feel good to know that you can pay the bills on time. It, it does make you feel good to know that you can travel and, and, and maybe go on vacation or, or buy something that you've always wanted. I mean, it does feel good to have it. Now, how do you feel when you don't have enough money? We worry. We get anxious. To some people, it literally drives them crazy. So you see, should God not be concerned about how we see this? If you're only happy when you got money and you're, just, you're depressed when you don't have money, that matters to God. Because God doesn't want you to be controlled by how you feel about these resources. He doesn't want you to be controlled. God wants us to be stable. He tells us to not worry about anything, to be joyful. But how can we be joyful when we're broke? You can be joyful when you're broke. I had some happy times in the projects. I had a lot of good days growing up in the hood. I was telling my wife just last night, reminiscing, growing up thinking, man, I, you know, I remember times where we could not shop. We couldn't just go to the grocery store and just buy when we ran out. There were times we ran out of milk. Now, my grandmother, she didn't buy, we didn't have Captain Crunch and Crunch, forget about Crunch Berries. If you got Captain Crunch, you was doing good. The staple in our home growing up on 425 Jerome Street, Brooklyn, East New York, 11207, cornflakes, the family size, and Rice Krispies. And you made it work. Now, when we ran out of milk, you know what we use? We use water. I know some of our kids now are like, ill. That's disgusting. But you know what? It was gluten free. <laughs> so y'all, let's not talk about disgusting, all right? We had cornflakes and water, and we didn't worry about calories. We didn't worry about gluten and, and, and all that stuff. We ate what we had, and we survived on what was in our cabinets. And we were happy because we had each other. You know, when it comes to money, when it comes to possession, when it comes to things that we feel belong to us, our time, this is my time. These are my gifts. I choose how to be used. God is concerned about that because God's dream doesn't just involve you. It involves more than just you. And God wants as many people as possible to benefit from the gifts he gave you and the resources he gave to you. So my question to you today is simply this. Are you investing in God's dream? It's a simple question. It's a simple question. Are you invested? If you've been a Christian for 
5, 10, 15, 20 years, are you still invested in God's dream? I think some of us have started off very invested. Oh, my goodness. We get to go to church more than just on Sunday. I'm there. I get to go to church on Wednesday or Tuesday, and I get to go to Bible talk, and there's devotionals. I'm in. That was our time. Now, we see you on Sunday. We get fired up. That, to me, is that's a problem. We get fired up to see you on Sunday. And we get really fired up when there's more than 100 people at midweek. Oh, whoa, bro. We broke 100 this week. Are you still invested in God's dream? See, God concern, is concerned about how we use our, what else are you doing when you're not with God and his people? Is it worth your time? Are you getting paid more to be where you're at? Are those that you're with benefiting more from your presence there than it would if you were with your brothers and sisters? Maybe there's someone you need to encourage. But they wouldn't benefit if you're not there. See, God is concerned about how invested we are. You know, when I say that we're all rich, I'm not comparing us to Donald Trump. I'm not even comparing us to, to the 1% of wealthy Americans. I'm not comparing us. I'm comparing us to 3 billion people in the world living off of $2.50 a day or less. Can you, uh, can you even begin to fathom living off of $2.50? We, we spent more than that coming here. You can't imagine, can you imagine feeding your kids on $2.50? What would you buy? A slice of pizza is more than that, right? Well, if you got, if that, if that was a slice of pizza, then I guess you would have to cut it up depending on how many kids you got. And then everybody's going to be fighting for the crust, so you know you got to split that up, right? He got more cheese than I did. Well, look, tomorrow, you know, you'll get some cheese. Well, mommy, what are we going to drink? You know what? I suggest you... And you just swallowed that thing on down because we hit our $2.50 grocery budget on that slice of pizza. Can you imagine living off of $2? Well, James, things are different here. Yeah, okay, that's true. But stop complaining about not having money. Stop complaining about not being rich. When we got people, more people than you can possibly know living off of far less than you can even imagine. Well, think about your brother in Christ, Mosey Kanate. He's a professor, and Mosey is one of the more wealthy disciples in the church in Abidjan in Ivory Coast. Even with the high-profile job, he has to work at multiple colleges and endure difficult commutes to earn $2,000 a month that he needs to support his family and four daughters. He doesn't just invest his money. He and his wife are also always housing and feeding disciples in need so that there are often 10 people staying in their three-bedroom apartment. After the civil war that erupted in his country a few years ago, his home served as a makeshift refugee camp for displaced Christians and their families. Three-bedroom apartment became a refugee camp. Some of us want to have people over for Bible talk, Bible discussion, or... We're like, we don't want our, I don't want my stuff messed up. When you're invested in people and in God, your stuff is just stuff. I mean, guys, look, at the end of the day, I know I'm, I'm a big stuff investor. I would be totally upset if someone came and broke something that I paid for. But at the end of the day, it can't be replaced. Lives can't always be replaced. You can't replace a life. These people choose to invest in things that matter. And so, Mosey, through, though he is poor, when he's compared to us here in the States, he's invested. 
He's invested. You know, have you ever wondered why God has given you so much? Probably because we've been complaining about God not having enough. But think about why did God choose to have you live in America and brothers like Mosi live in Abidjan? Is it because you're special, like we wrote on our little our envelope? Do you feel like you deserve to be here in America? Do you feel like, do you believe that you deserve to have the career, the job, the family that you have and he deserves what he has? Why didn't God include you in the three billion? Most of those families are in India. Why, why didn't God have you live there? Why did he have you live here at this time? Why not back in slavery? Why not back during the Depression? Why right now? There is a reason. God does not just scatter lives across the, 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 the earth and just hope that we land on a, a place that, that's pleasant. Acts 17 tells us that he determines this, the exact time and place where we're to live. There's a reason you're in Harlem. There's a reason you live here. There's a reason God gives you what he gave you. And it's not because you're one of his favorites. Paul tells us exactly why. God gives us more than what we need. In 2 Corinthians 9, let's get into the Bible. I talked a little bit here. Let's talk, 2 Corinthians 9, I think I got it in the wrong place. Second Corinthians 9, verses 10 and 11, it says, Now he who has seeds, who supplies seeds to the sower and bread for, the, for food will supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So right here, the, pros the prosperity theology would probably add something to the effect of God blessed us so that we might live in wealth, showing the world how much God loves us and blesses those who love him. But Paul says, so that you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. God puts you in a position you're in so that you can be generous. So that you could be the giver. Now, have you ever been on the receiving end of a donation? Have you ever had to borrow just to get by? Then you know what it feels like to be in need. Have you ever had to stand in line for food? I've been there. Have you ever had to go to the supermarket with the wick check? We've been there. It's humbling. It's not a place you want to be. But let me tell you something. We're still rich. We're still rich. You know, God doesn't prosper us so that we can just be prosperous. God prospers us not to raise our standard of living, but to raise our standard of giving. You know, oftentimes people say, man, if I had a million dollars, I would do this, I would do that, I would do this, and I would, how about with a hundred dollars? Let's start right there. Because that's a test to what you would do if you had a million. If you're going to be stingy with a hundred, Lord knows, if I give you a million of them things, we probably wouldn't even see you again. The first thing we, I'm going on vacation. I'm going to buy me a house in the woods somewhere, no zip code, no address. I'm going off the grid. Solar panels, survive off the land, but I can't have my, I got to have my internet. So I'll put up a Wi-Fi tower and it will just be on me island. You wouldn't see, we wouldn't see you. Family, everybody, Facebook account erased, Twitter account deleted. I mean, whatever happened to so-and-so, man, after he hit that lottery? All I saw was smoke in the shadow. 
No text messages, email, nothing. You talk about if I had a million dollars. What are you doing with a hundred dollars? Can you get five dollars out there? Jesus, God, back in the Old Testament, if you had a hundred dollars, God was only asking for ten. And he's the reason you were able to make the hundred. But he only asked for ten percent of that. And people had a hard time giving God ten dollars out of a hundred. You still got ninety? If you had a billion dollars and your tithe, what, what, what would your tithe be of a billion of a million dollars? Would you give it? You see, our hearts are so attached to this world, and God is trying to break that hold. God is trying to break. It's 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 to the point where Paul had to command the Christians who were wealthy to break that chain, because Jesus said in the Gospels, it is impossible. For a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because his heart is so tied, is so chained to this world. And to the wealth that he has in this world. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 6. Verse 17 it says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in his wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides for us everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. God calls us to invest in the coming age. That's heaven. He calls us to invest in heaven, not here. When we invest in here, we, when we invest in the world, we're invested in the temporary. When we invest in heaven, we invest in what lasts forever. And I know we can't really fathom that. But there's a reason God is so strong with this command. Because he is eternal. He always has been. He's always existed. Imagine going forward and never having an end to your wealth. Imagine being in a place, in a position where there's no more worries, there's no more crying, there's no more dying, there's no more sickness. That's what God wants you to invest in. See, when God provides more money, more time, and even helps us to realize that we're actually a little more talented, we have gifts in other areas. When God does that, we often view it as a blessing to do more for ourselves. Now, there's nothing wrong with using your gifts and those resources to help yourself get by. In fact, you should use your We need more Christians, more true Christians in corporate America. We need God. God, help us if we can get a true disciple in politics. I mean, you can't tell me that a teacher who's a disciple doesn't have a greater impact on children's lives than those who aren't. That love, that motivation comes from a deeper place. It doesn't come from just being a paycheck and getting three months off in the summer. It comes from a true concern and care for the kids that they're tending to. I would rather have a doctor who's a disciple take care of me than one who's not. So you can't tell me the world would not be a better place if Jesus wasn't the standard of the people's lives who we encounter every day. You don't want to get on a bus and you got a, a struggling bus driver? I mean, they, you know, imagine if the man was a Christian. Or if, the, if she was a Christian and you get on and say, praise Jesus. You're like, God is good all the time. I mean, you know, it's like, and it was really true. Like, you really believed it. You know, you, you, you go to the grocery store and they, they're not trying to cheat you. You go to a restaurant and, and, and your food is actually prepared well and you get good service because they're a Christian. You get on the bus, you get on the train, and there's this, this war, this tug of war. No, you sit down, no, you sit down, no, you sit down, no, you sit down. Because we're trying to let our righteousness be more than that of the Pharisees. Can't tell me the world wouldn't be a better place. You can't tell me the world wouldn't be a better place. That's God's vision. That's what he wants us to invest in. You know, I think sometimes when we're blessed, 
we're tempted to keep that blessing to ourselves. You find a wallet in the street. What's your first thought? The Lord answers my prayer. He knew I was broken. He let me find this wallet with all these credit cards in it whose name is not mine. But God heard my prayer. He knew. Let me tell you something. Sometimes our blessings are a test. Sometimes they're a test to see where your heart is truly committed and where it's truly invested. See, God doesn't demand that you live in poverty. In fact, I think it hurt God's heart to see so many people in such a rich country live in poverty. We have homeless people and hungry kids here in America. We have people living below the poverty line here in America. That blows my mind. How can we be such a powerful country and still have people living on the street? Homeless. I've been to Singapore, another amazing place. Not one homeless person on the street. They figured something out. They said, you know what, we're not going to have homeless people. We're going to put everyone in homes and, and, and we're going to take care of our own. They had a plan. And they worked their plan. God also has a plan. See, God doesn't want you to live in poverty. God doesn't want us all to be broke because he knows that will make us struggle as well. But if you read with me over in 1 Corinthians 4, in verse 1, Listen to what Paul says. says, Men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. As God's servants, we must prove that we are trustworthy with with the resources that God has given us. Whatever those resources are, God expects us to prove ourselves trustworthy. How do you spend your time? Really? How do you use your gifts? How how do you invest your money? Who are you investing in? See, God cares about those things. You know, imagine you had a very special gift that you wanted to send to someone, a loved one, a family member, and you wrapped it up and you handed it over to the FedEx guy. and and, And instead of delivering it to the person that you sent it to, he went home unwrapped it, and opened it up for himself. How would that make you feel? You'd be all up in arms like, wait a second, I didn't get that to you. To, for you, that was to be sent to, to my loved one. See, when God gives us these resources, he doesn't intend for it to stay in our hands, in our possession. He's like, no, I gave that to you to share with others. You know, as a parent, one of the things we love most about our kids is that they share. It does our hearts good when we see our kids sharing with one another? And when do we have those family talks when they're not sharing? Okay, share with your sister, share with your brother. And we're not just talking about stuff. You know what? Give each other a little time each day. Just sit in his arena. Just, just sit there and just listen to him. You know, when I grew up, I couldn't stand my brother's. I mean, especially my younger ones, Joey was always on me, man. We go school shopping and I pick it up my outfit. Oh, I want those. I'm like, man, get your own stuff. You know, you're like pushing them away, like, leave me alone. He always wanted to be around me, always wanted to do everything that I wanted to do. And I'm playing basketball. He wanted to play basketball. I'm writing music. He writing music. And then my mom sat me down. She said, you know what? Do you realize why he does that? And I was like, because he's, he's getting on my nerves. That's why. And she said, he does it because he looks up to you. And from that day forward, from that one talk, I, it totally changed my, the way my outlook on my younger brother. So going forward, I made sure that everything I did, I had to be an example. Because there were guys watching. I had younger brothers watching. And see, God wants us to be children who are concerned about his other children. 
we want it for our kids, God wants it for his kids. So just because God puts money in your hand doesn't mean that he intends for it to stay there. He intends for us to be responsible with it, and ultimately he intends for us to be spiritual with it. Now, does that mean you need to stop drinking Starbucks? I'll leave that up to you. I'm not going to tell you what you need to, to not do and you need to start doing. That's in your, everybody's situation is different. My situation is different from yours. But I, I, I refuse to believe that everybody here is so broke that they can't help somebody. I refuse to believe that every single minute of every hour in your day is so scheduled and, and, and packed that you couldn't give an hour to somebody. I refuse to believe that everybody in here is so not talented that we can only, we can only depend on a few people to help move our church forward. I refuse to believe that. That's, not a, tr it's, that's a lie from Satan. I think we got to figure out what God has given us, plenty of, and we need to use it for the glory of God. You know, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 8, I got scriptures to back up what I'm saying. Because I know y'all, y'all need Bible. It's like, I hear what you're saying, James, but I need some scriptures. So I'm going to give you some scriptures. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 14, nothing wrong with that. At the present time, you will have you, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality as it is written. He who gathers much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. You know, God gives some of his children more than they need, others less than they need, because that he wants us, he wants us to see his heart in each other. You can't tell me that our brother across over in Abidjan cannot impact your faith. We're, giving, we're sending money over to help the churches there and the missions there, but you can't tell me that his heart, you don't need in your own heart. I felt challenged. I'm thinking, man, 10? He had 10 people in I have a three-bedroom. And I'm thinking, I don't even want an extra three over. This brother made it a refugee camp. There's no time limit on that. You can't just say, okay, guys, uh, yeah. You know, it's about a week. I mean, I felt challenged. Now, look, we got to be wise. We don't want to just, you know, you know, you can't, I don't, look, obviously we don't need refugee camps here. So anybody sleeping on your couch for more than a month and they ain't, you know, getting a, trying to fix their situation, that's not somebody who's being displaced. That's somebody who's just being flat out lazy. All right? And you got to deal with that on that level. But what I'm saying is the heart to do something, to interrupt your comfort, to accommodate someone else, to make things a little easier for someone because it's been so easy for you for so long. See, God, when you look at the whole example of Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man he had a good life. He had no wants and no needs for anything. Lazarus had a hard life. He begged every day. And, you know, the moral of that story is, you know, some of us are going to have more, some of us are going to have less, but it's how we invest it. Lazarus, you know, he, he, even though he was poor, he kept his heart invested in God. The rich man was oblivious. He didn't think he needed God. He didn't think he needed anyone until it was too late, until it was too late. God doesn't want us to wait that long. You know, this is a scripture that my wife and I, when we were first married, we, we decided we would try to live by the scripture. Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9, it says, Keep fal falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and so disown you, and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become rich, I mean poor, and steal, and so dishonor the name of my God. You know, when those with too much give to those with too little, two problems are solved. But when they don't, two problems persist. You know, I think that 
we have such a great opportunity. It really is in our hands. And I don't know why God set it up that way, but that's what he did. You know, could God solve all the poverty in the world? Absolutely. There is a reason he wants to work through us. There's a reason he wants to use his created to help the other created. And we all have ability to do so. You know, I think about how often we, we have, like, these life, these aha moments. You guys heard of this guy, Alfred Nobel? Well, one day during 1888, Alfred Nobel, who's a Swedish chemist, he was the first person... He's the person who invented dynamite. He dropped the newspaper and put his hands in his head because his brother Ludwig had recently died in France. But it wasn't his brother's obituary in the newspaper. It was his. The headline read, The Merchant of Death is Dead. His obituary described the man who had gotten rich by helping people kill one another. Shaken by this appraisal of his life, Nobel resolved to use his wealth to change his legacy. When he died eight years later, he left more than $9 million to fund awards for people who would, whose work benefited humanity. The awards became known as the Nobel Prizes. Alfred Nobel had a rare opportunity to look at the assessment of his life as its end and still have the time to change it. We, too, have examples that we can glean from, that we can learn from, and say, you know what, I don't have to end up that way. You know, before his life was over, he made sure that he invested his wealth into something of lasting value. How many of you have seen the movie Schindler's List? That was a heart-stirring movie. And one of my favorite scenes in the movie was when Oscar Schindler, after successfully saving over 1,100 Jews from the concentration camps, he regrets that he could have saved more lives. At the end of the movie, there's a heart-wrenching scene where he, he's, he's meeting with some of the Jews that he rescued. He looks at his car, he looks at his gold pen, and he regrets that he didn't give more and his possessions of his possessions to save more lives. Let's look at this clip real quick, and then we'll continue on.
ten multiple. This is gold. Two more people. You would have given me two for us. At least one. You would have given me one. One more. One more person. Person stand. For this. I could have gone. One more person. Powerful, isn't it? You know, this is just a movie. But I think it really communicates the heart of God and those who have invested in God's mission. This man saw the suffering of people, and he wanted to do something about it. And even though he had already saved over 11,000, 1,100, he, he still thought he could have done more, one more. And, you know, we'll never get to see or meet the people we help on this side of heaven. But let me tell you something. It does go a long way. And you may think your little may not do anything. You may think it may not have an impact at all. But this man looked at a gold pen and made the connection that this little thing equals a life. So when we, when we spend, when we, when, we, when we look at our time and the time that we that the resources that God has invested into us connected with the soul. You know what? I just spent three hours on the Internet checking my Twitter, Facebook. I could have had lunch with somebody. You know, I, I just spent four hours watching the Breaking Bad Marathon. I could have opened the Bible with a friend. I just went out and spent $50 on myself. Maybe I could have spent that helping somebody else. You see, God makes the connection, and he wants us to make the connection. But the only way you'll make the connection is if you're invested. Why did we come to church? It's not just about filling up a seat. It's not even just about putting money in a plate. It's about one more life. Helping one more person come to Christ. Because you are, you're coming, you're getting inspired, you're getting called higher, you're getting refreshed. What are you going to do with that? Let that leave you and go to someone else. So that they can sit next to you and then bring in the next person. You see... This is how God wants us to invest. This is not how God wants us to invest our money. As we all know, Kobe Bryant recently retired from NBA basketball. You know, in contrast to the video clip we just saw, several bags of air from Kobe Bryant's final game hit eBay with a starting bid of $1. Eventually, the price got so high that eBay did something they'd never done in their entire, uh, their entire existence of being in business, they actually took a bid off their offline because it got ridiculous. The eBay moderators had to step in and do something that almost never happened. They pulled the aid, the ad because a Ziploc bag filled with air was going for fifteen thousand dollars. Now, I don't know what's worse. The fact that you can sell a sandwich bag of air on eBay or that there were people willing to buy it. It started off at a dollar. Somebody bid it on it. A bag of air. 
You know, one of the things that I connected with that, with that movie is Shayla's, I don't know if you guys heard what he said, I wasted so much money. I, I go through my life and I think, man, I blew through so much money because I wasn't invested in anything. And see, God gives us an opportunity to invest in something that will outlive you. Special contribution can be a part of your legacy. I invested into something that will outlive me and possibly even my children. Because the church is going to continue to give. Disciples are going to continue to be made. I am glad to take part in that. I am happy to say that I contribute to that every year. As a single man, one of the things that inspired me was seeing people give and sacrifice to this. I, when I came to church, to this church, I didn't realize that there was even a plan to save the world. I didn't have that plan. I didn't have that vision. I was inspired by the people that were around me. And, you know, I think it's important that we hold people up. I want to hold up our Edge ministry. You know, I think that there are people right here in our midst who sacrifice, who give constantly. You know, we have single professionals who don't have kids of their own, yet are invested in helping our kids get to camp. And so we have, we have singles who don't have a family of their own investing in your family, who have sponsored some of our kids, whether partially or entirely. That's investing. Many have sacrificed so much and have been, been the steady backbone of our giving for years. And although God may not have blessed them with everything that they wanted, such as a spouse or a family of their own, they continue to sacrifice and give. We have married couples who have families of their own who give sacrificially to help our youth go to camp, uh, the summer camps, sponsoring people who, who are the backbone of our church, the backbone of our giving. You know, I want to hold up our sister Lou. Our sister Lou, she's a, profession, a professional runway coach. She's even worked with uh, the uh, America pageants and all that stuff. And, and along with some of our Harlem ushers, she hosted a prom dress giveaway for some of our teen girls over the past two weeks. I mean, you know, I think about our brother, our brother Glenn, who used his culinary skills to help fundraise. He cooked, he hosted, he, he you know, and, and Glenn will tell you himself, he's not in the best of health. But this brother will get up and spend hours on the stove frying up fish, cooking up food, cooking up rice, and all that stuff. He doesn't have kids here, but he's invested in your kids. You know, we make and buy meals for one another. Jack got up here a couple weeks ago and talked about how the church took care of him when he needed. Jack has one of the biggest hearts of any person I know. And to be on the receiving end of that giving goes a long way. You never know when you'll be the one that needs to be given to. And I just hope that you're in a family of believers that believe in giving. See, what helps us stay close is that we, we take care of each other. If there's a need that comes up, we're right there to meet that need. And if we can't meet that need, we pull in other people. We pull our resources together. We figure, hey, let's help this person. That's who we are. That's what a family does. And so I'm going to wrap this up because I, I think, you know, I said enough. But I also want to encourage us in 2 Corinthians 8, and we'll end here. And as we prepare to take our communion, as we prepare to take our communion, you know, I just want us to keep in mind that we were given so much. And Jesus himself, who was rich, made himself poor for our benefit. Now, I don't know too many people who will give up their wealth to meet the needs of those who may not even care he existed. But that was who Jesus was. In 2 Corinthians 8, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. That's who Jesus is. You know, giving boldly affirms Christ's lordship in our lives. 
And I know we've had all sorts of, of experiences when it comes to giving. But I want to encourage you to put your trust in God, to let God continue to take care of you and expose anything that will keep us from giving our resources. Yet at the end of the day, God is in control. And we see things, we, we, see, we see people get exposed all the time. It's only a matter of time before the deeds that are done in darkness will be exposed to light. When I give, I give to God. When I go grocery shopping, I'm not worrying about what is ShopRite doing with my money. When I go to the movies, I'm thinking, Yo, what, what is Regal going to do with this $20 that they charge me for this ticket? That's outrageous, as, you know. I, we don't think twice about what Starbucks is doing with the money we pay for that latte, do we? You don't. So why are we so hesitant to give back to God? I believe all of us here are rich and we can invest in the glory of God. You know, I got some of our preliminary totals and for what we gave. And I want to encourage you and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. The Harlem region gave over $57,002 today towards our special contribution. This is going to go a long way. Our brothers and sisters around the church are still giving. And guys, again, we'll be collecting special up until July, the end of July, August. So if God puts it on your heart to continue to give, then continue to give. Because you know that you're investing in God's dream and in God's plan. Because he invested so much in each of us. Let's go to God in prayer for our communion. Our Heavenly Father God, we are just so grateful. We're grateful, Father, that you became poor so that we could become rich. God, I know that some of us may not understand what that means. But for the creator of the world, the ruler of all things, the earth is your footstool. And yet you became poor so that we could become rich. Father, I know that when we look at our bank accounts, when we look at our checking accounts, when we, when we look at our home, when we go home and look at our refrigerators and our cabinets, we may be discouraged. We may be convicted. But God, at the end of the day, there's always someone who are in a more dire situation than we are. And I pray that you give us a heart and a mind that will think beyond ourselves, beyond our situation, beyond our circumstances. And God, help us to use the resources that you gave us to reinvest in your dream. I pray right now that as we take the bread that represents the body of Christ, and as we take the juice that represents the blood that he spilled willingly for us, I pray that you'll help us to never forget the sacrifice made for us and help us to embrace our wealthy lives as believers in Christ. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.